what this episode is about for hopefully for our listeners is not so much the focus on death but most importantly how do we want to live with the lessons of death too often when a person thinks about death or the shadow of death it either depresses or makes a person upset makes a person live life less we're so hard on ourselves and we think that unless it's big and noticed it was wasted and i think that even if you look at this day how many people were you kind to did you make feel better did you connect with how kind were you to yourself it's those moments of connection with you with the creator with other human beings that that's really i think a life well lived when we think about those either that are in the process of leaving this physical world or those that have left and we believe that their energy never goes away but the question isn't so much whether they are here or not here but rather are we connecting to them or not connecting to them Welcome to the Spiritually Hungry Podcast, episode 42. I'm feeling a little bit better this week. Um, I wanted to thank all of our listeners for the support and the love. The messages you sent my way, I really do appreciate it. It's still going to be a bit of a heavy topic, but that's just, I think it, you know, there's inspiration in everything and I'm really, really actually inspired. I mean, always inspired by what we talk about, but um, I think this is a really important conversation to be had. So I shared with you, Michael, last week, um, actually at the beginning of this week, I saw my father being wheeled out of his hospital room on one floor and moved to another floor that is more focused on hospice care. And, uh, and so as they're getting him ready, you know, I waited out in the hallway and as he then came out of the room, I looked at his eyes and he was fully alert, which doesn't happen that often these days. And he just had this look of surrender, no fear, no pain. And it dawned on me that, well, first, I mean, the overarching theme is that you can learn so much about living and how to live through watching somebody die. And I thought about it when I was a teenager and all the way until he actually had Alzheimer's. So all of those years, decades, my father was terrified of death. And he would tell me that if anything ever happened to him, that compromised his mental faculties. In his words, he said, if I become a vegetable, make sure you they disconnect <laughs> anything I might be connected to. I don't want to live a life like that. And as a teenager, of course, um, as his daughter, your parents telling you this, I'm thinking, first of all, I'm thinking about my own mortality, right? And I also then became afraid of death, right? Because if you're seeing somebody that you look up to that should have all the answers, especially when you're a child, is telling you this, you're like, oh, no, no, this is, this is the worst thing that could ever happen. And there's no, you know, it's to be feared, which is crazy because it's unavoidable. And also you spend then so much time in your life fearing death instead of actually living fully. And so that's the irony here, right? It's interesting. One of my favorite verses is from Ecclesiastes. It says, better to go to the house of a mourner than the house of a party, because <laughs> then the living will put in their heart. And the idea is that, and I find, I, you know, throughout life, I find... The living will. Sort of really look inside, mm -hmm. right? Take, take lessons, right? That, that's really what one we know that everything that exists has very important purpose and death exists for the most part to teach the living 
Well, also, it's such a, you know, there are ways, and we've talked about this recently, but to die in a way that's almost as beautiful as watching a baby be born in the world. And it becomes so clear. And well, I really want to give tips today on how to be able to see it that way, that death is a natural and can even be a beautiful part of life, but it depends on how you live it. And there's this quote by Giovanni Falcone, and he said, he who doesn't fear death dies only once. Because if you're afraid of death, you die over and over again while you're still alive. And there's actually interesting, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of um, books, scholarship on this. And the reality is that most people who die are not afraid to die. It's the living who are afraid to die, but the dying are not afraid to die. Exactly. There was a study, um, especially with elder people, right? The really elderly. You would think that like, okay, death's not that far away likely. And so if you're ever going to be afraid at any point in your life, it would probably be like when you're 80, 90, 100. But they found actually the older people were, right? Really elderly. They actually didn't have a fear of death and they weren't sure why. They thought, well, maybe they had lived so much of life that they didn't feel that they'd be missing out on anything <laughs> or that they had experienced a lot of death and loss already. Which, again, to the point that don't waste your time fearing this um, because it's going to steal joy moments and really time you could be spending doing things that are purposeful for, for, your, for why you really came to this world. Yeah, and, and again, for our listeners, again, I find this, you, you know, you mentioned this might be a heavy episode. The reality is I find this one of the most inspiring topics. I, and I've shared this before, I know, with Monica and with some of our friends, and it's, it might sound weird to our listeners, hopefully only initially, not... Uh, but that that I actually enjoy funerals. Funerals. Oh, and actually, I enjoy when... cemeteries because, and and, we'll, and I'd like to share a little bit more about this. But because to me, what it does, it speaks to one word: truth. Right. And I think what this episode is about, for hopefully for our listeners, is not so much the focus on death, but most importantly, on living. How do we want to live with? the lessons of death. And that for me is the most inspiring thing because so much of life is wasted on the things that don't really have any significant meaning that aren't. So when I say the word truth, I mean, what is real, what is important. Um, well, I remember when we first, well, what we were married already, but I didn't know this about you initially, but <laughs> you'd be like really almost I mean, jovial. I mean, that's kind of the wrong word, but after a funeral, I'm like, oh my God, who did I marry? But seriously, um, and now I understand it, right? You would, you, would, you would say, you would share, yeah, you know, just really makes you think about life. And I couldn't fully understand it. Now I'm, I'm there with you, like spending time in the hospital, speaking to the palliative nurses and hospice care team and explaining to my other family members that this is what's happening and this is what to expect and this is how his breathing is going to change and don't be afraid of it. He can't feel it the way we think he would feel it or how we think we would feel it. That's what scares us, right? We see a person dying and especially you have, you have no experience of ever seeing that and automatically it makes you look at yourself and you just think about that. And that's really missing the mark because right. it's not about that moment. That moment will be defined really by how you've lived and how well you've lived. I was actually having a conversation today with, um, with somebody and we were talking about different things that bother them. And I was like, and I, we have a friend who uses this phrase. I don't agree with this phrase, but he always, whenever something's like, you know, bothering somebody else, he says, life's too short, right? Life's too short to worry about the silly things. I don't think life is too short. I think life is perfect, but I would say life is too important right. to waste it on the silly things. And for me, again, like I said, I think that's the, the lesson here. The lesson is the knowledge of death 
should impact the way we live our lives. And for me, the, the, the phrase should be live in truth. And truth means the important. I, I was listening to somebody else who said that, um, you know, when you go to a cemetery and you look at the gravestones, what does it say on the gravestones? Beloved father, mother, yeah, brother, exactly. sister, right? Friend. It doesn't say many of the other things that we, we spend so much time worrying about. And the idea is, because that's not truth. That's not truth. What this person did to me in the office today, that's not truth. Being a great father, being a great mother, being a great brother, being a great sister, being a great friend, that's truth. And again, like I said, like, you know, not to be, you know, weird about it, but when you <laughs> go to a funeral, when you are with somebody who's either dying or dead or when you're in a cemetery, hopefully what you take away is I'm going to leave even more in truth. Because a lot of what we're going to share today, at least from my perspective, isn't anything we don't know. And that's really what, you know, you stop anybody in the street, the person who's in the office worrying about all the things that their, you know, cousin just did to them that is not in truth, right? It's not really important. And you say, you stop them. You say, what's really important in life? They'll give you the list, the right list. They know that it's not important, but it's not so much about knowing It's it. what they're consumed. It's can you with. live every single day with that truth? And that for me is one of the reasons that death exists. Unfortunately, I don't think, I, I can speak for myself and I think for many of our listeners, we don't live life enough in that, again, not negative. I find it very inspiring, exciting, love-filled, but it's called sometimes the shadow of death. And this is the question we should ask ourselves. Not, do I know what is really important? Like everybody, I, I, I can't imagine any one of our listeners does not, cannot make the list of what is really the, the truth of life, what is really the important things in my life. But... The more important question is not whether you have that list or know that list. What percent of your day is lived in that truth? Absolutely. And unfortunately, wow, how much time do we waste on the unimportant, on the untrue parts of life? I also think people spend a lot of time trying to find ways to not fear death rather than simply living in truth, right? And not that it's simple, but it's the idea, right? Of that, that it doesn't have to be that complicated. There were, there's a bunch of studies. Um, one found that people who uh, are really afraid of death grieve for a lot longer because they haven't come to terms with death and that that's a part of life, right? That they are willing to accept. They also, there was another study in 2016 and they found that fear of death could amplify our desire for revenge and political violence. So they found, they took a group of Palestinians, Israelis and South Korean participants and were, they were prompted to think about personal pain or death and then asked about their opinions about specific political conflicts and how they should be resolved. I thought that was really interesting. Those who were reminded of death, right? Cause it was, or pain, or death, those who were reminded of death were more likely to support military action than those who only thought about pain. So I think that we should really be honest with ourselves about where we're at really with the idea of accepting death. Because again, from my childhood, hearing my father say that, I never wanted to think about death. I was afraid of it. I wouldn't want to go to hospitals. I was terrified of it. Like anything that would bring, you know, sickness for, because then I'd have to think about that. So there's a much better way. I mean, even you know, people, I think, buy into the illusion, I'm all for being healthy and fit, you know that. But they think that if I'm healthy, then death is really far away, but then there's accidents, right? So I, I just think that we should just right now really assess where we're at, 
How are we trying to cheat death? And instead, let's just open our minds right now to these things that we're going to offer to really get to a place where you're experiencing and really living life to its fullest without even a thought of death. A thought of death in terms of motivation to live, but not consumed by when that day will happen. And I think it's really important because for, for our listeners, for us, to know whether you are using, and I really would use that word, using the shadow of death in the right way, the question simply is, are you therefore living more in truth? Are you therefore actually enjoying every moment even more? Are you living the life that you are meant to be living or a life that, that is in truth? Because again, the other side of this is that, and we know it's always true in everything that there's a, a possibility to gain great inspiration and wisdom, there's also the opportunity to be stopped by it, right? So too often when a person thinks about death or the shadow of death, it either depresses or makes a person upset, makes a person live life less. The proper way... numb the pain, you drink too much. But let me ask you a question because I know what you mean by this and it just dawned on me that I really think we need to unpack this living in truth because you gave one example about being upset. I think you said if your cousin or your coworker or whoever, you know, disrespected you and now even though you know at the big picture at the end of your days you're gonna remember this one afternoon at five o'clock where somebody didn't like what you had to say or thinks you're an idiot right now that's right. not what you're gonna be thinking about on death's doorstep so how does a person actually make sure they're living a life of truth I think well I think the entire spiritual pursuit is towards that I'll give an example both my parents as we call them the Rav and Karen both my parents were great spiritual teachers and they spend all of their lives, most of their lives in helping people and teaching people. And one of the beautiful blessings that we have is that we have hours upon hours upon hours of their teachings recorded, audio, video, and so on. And in our centers all over the world, every week we share a video of the Rav of my mother. And one of the things I often think about is that in the Sages tell us this, that when a person's teachings remain in this world, they never actually leave this world. They never actually die. It says Moses never died, Jacob never died. And for my parents, they will be teaching people forever. And for me, one of the first questions when you think about living in truth, not everybody's a teacher, right? But what energy are you leaving in this world? More importantly, forget about leaving. What energy are you creating in this world? Yes, we all have to work. Yes, we all have families we have to take care of. But think about your day today. What energy did you create in this world? What energy? Because death isn't just, you know, one day dies, the next day is born. This day is dying, right? By whatever, 8 p.m. tonight, this day has died. What energy do you leave, did you leave in this world today? I don't know if you're today? going to sleep, babe. But, it's not no, no, but I, I mean when the stars come out and it's already uh, nighttime, okay. right? What energy did you leave in this world today? You know, there's a phrase that the sages use. They say, return or change one day before you die. And the question is then asked, what do you mean? What, nobody knows what's the day before they die, some people, right? And they say, well, view every day as if this is the day before and in, in, you know, physically die, but more importantly, spiritually, th this day is dying, meaning not in a negative way, right? This day is ending. What energy are you leaving in the world? And I think if we live our lives with that intention, then it really changes how we live our lives. And by the way, it doesn't have to be in the big ways, you know, like, I think people tend to think that they had a meaningful life if 
people are aware of, of what they did, right? Or if they impacted millions of people, let's say thousands of people. I don't think people were so hard on ourselves and we think that unless it's big and noticed, it was wasted. And I think that even if you look at this day, how many people were you kind to? Did you make feel better? Did you connect with? How kind were you to yourself? It's those moments of connection with you, with the creator, with other human beings, that that's really, I think, a life well lived. Absolutely. And it's interesting because you reminded me of something I read earlier today where somebody was writing, you know, what makes a great spiritual leader? And they said somebody who in their lifetime Im impacted three people. Mm -hmm. And I love that thought because like you said, I think often people say, well, I have to make my mark in the world. I will, my name will never be forgotten. I will be the greatest of this or the biggest of that. And that's, then I will be happy. And then right. I will be. Right. And that's right. not what we're talking. If you think about that, if in my lifetime, I can really impact three people. What is, to me, that means, of course, the hope is more, 10, 20, 100, even a million. But every day, did you impact somebody in the slightest or bigger way than the day before? So I think that that's really important to talk about because when we talk about leaving a legacy. Yes, thankfully, my parents left us thousands and thousands of hours of wisdom, but not everybody is meant to do that. And to our listeners, the question should be, who did you impact today? Number one. I just got such, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you. Please you yeah, remember sure. what you had to say. Yeah, yeah. I just got such clarity on something that's been bothering me since my dad entered the hospital. Wow. That, and I've shared this with you, that part of my pain for his death and, you know, I had wanted this on some level for him for seven years because of how ill he's been and because of his wish for, <laughs> for not to be kept alive in that state. But my pain for him was, you know, he had, when he got sick, he had left letters unwritten, like half written, right, oh, really? unfinished. He had business plans right, almost right. completed. He had dreams and he had a vision board, right? And then all of a sudden, Everything stood still, collected dust. And only until I went to my mom's house a year and a half ago and cleaned it up and packed it away, it, it just was like as if time stood still for him alone, right? And so as I watched him in the hospital this week, that there was pain there, right? And I shared this with you that when, you know, eight months ago, we were with your mom, with Karen, when she was passing and I was watching this process for her. There was none of that emotion because she, by her own words, right? And by what we have witnessed, lived a life well lived. She did everything she intended to do. And by the way, and then some, right? So I, yeah, use the phrase intended to do, right? She always had greater plans, but she did leave great life. There was no yeah. regret. Right. There was um, not a lot of talk not followed by action, right? She she was absolutely a doer, a manifester being. And again, the point here, she didn't have regret. Right. But then, so I've been stuck with that feeling. Like that's what's... Meaning that you have, that maybe your dad had regret or you have regret for your father. Not he even expressed a lot of yes, regret before true. he got sick. Um, right. When his vision, his dreams were not coming true. And that's a whole nother thing we can get into. And again, they were all physical, this should be clear, right? He has three great... Physical, but by the way, he, because he was a self-made millionaire, right? He came from nothing and then he lost everything. So for him... Again, a successful life was if he made the money back again. You know, he was intelligent. He loved his wife beyond, loved his three girls. I mean, a lot of love, but he defined a, a well-lived life, right, by being successful. But in we're just in this moment, as we're talking, um, I actually just found a lot of solace and peace because, you know, he's always told me he's really proud of me. 
and um and all of his daughters like he's that meant so much to him so in fact you know i can look at his life and forget about all like what that was or what it was supposed to be or i'm not that smart i don't know how his i just know now actually that he must be comforted somewhere to know that he he did do great things in this life absolutely absolutely it's interesting you know one of the things that i often make me laugh is sometimes you know you go to um to cemeteries and you look at the the, the headstones and often they're they're filled with lists of accomplishments and and and, and titles titles sometimes. a lot of titles and i always thought you know i, I don't think I've, I've even shared this with you it's like you know for me the thought is you know it shouldn't say anything because what you're leaving in this world if a, if a person leaves this world isn't he or she is not leaving accomplishments right he or she is either or not leaving the energy they created and the positive impact they had on people and like you said impact on people does not mean that they taught a hundred people wisdom it could be that they had an amazing daughter or daughters that they loved and brought up in the right way to make them you know I, I that's use, the point he impacted us greatly and that's enough and for in me. turn you impact right i mean it's really people. yeah really I'm okay. I'm really okay. That was really powerful for me just now, though. So, I, I often use this example. My father's teacher was a great man in many, many ways. One of my favorite epithets that, said, that says on his gravestone, it says he was somebody who many people embarrassed, but never embarrassed anybody else back. Right? That that humility. Was it a said very, that on his... On his, yeah. It Ma- said that many people embarrassed him, but he didn't embarrass. Yeah, he was... of the, uh, There's a phrase used, people who are so humble, they don't care that people embarrass them and make fun of them. They never, though, uh, embarrass anybody else. And he wrote quite a number of books. He left a tremendous amount of wisdom in this world. But in reality, he had one student, only one. That student was my father, and my father, of course, uh, then taught millions, millions of people. So, impact, I think it's so important to be taught, especially in your father's case, it's so important to realize living in truth and, and, and living the life we're meant to live. We don't know, we can't really know exactly what that means in totality, but it certainly doesn't mean titles, and it certainly doesn't mean numbers, right? But that you, and again, it's beautiful that you have this understanding with your father, but I think for our listeners, the question, not the question, but the inspiration should be, did you have an impactful day as the day is dying? Did you have an impactful day? And to live life with that understanding that we are here, what is the energy you want to leave, right? Because I think so often, again, there are days that we're just overwhelmed with life, right? And we're all going to have those days, and sometimes it's weeks, and sometimes it's months, but how often do we stop and ask that question? What energy did I leave in this world today, in this week, in this month? And again, going back to living in truth, that's what living in truth means. It's funny, it's not funny, but it reminds me, today when I was at the hospital, I was there alone at that time. And usually there's, you know, it's two of us at a time and we're, you know, kind of sneak other people in. And um, anyway, I was sitting there and the palliative nurse walks in and she's like, I knew you were, I heard you were here. I wanted to check how you are. They're just really amazing humans, by the way, I have to say. 
And uh, I said, yeah, I'm just really actually enjoying this time alone with my dad. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I said, no, 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 I want to talk to her. I wasn't implying that I was, I'm just enjoying being here. And, and, and it dawned on me in that moment too, that I just really wanted to make her feel good, right? I wanted to take that opportunity to connect with another person. And I think that was a big part of my day-to-day being purposeful. Just even that exchange with her, you absolutely, know? Absolutely, absolutely. And the other part of that, which is something you touched upon is, is to really live every moment, right? I think one of the greatest inspirations that we should draw from the shadow of death is the joy, appreciation, and excitement with which we should live every moment. There's actually a beautiful quote from Irma uh, Bombeck. She writes, there would have, she writes about what, how she, her life would be different, right? How she would live her life differently, uh, knowing that death... She wrote this when she was dying? I think towards the end of her life. There would have been more I love you's, more I'm sorry's, more I'm listening's. But mostly, given another shot at life, I would seize every minute of it. Look at it and really see it. Try it on, live it, exhaust it, and never give that minute back until there was nothing left of it. Mm, I love that. So things is a beautiful again, and, and for me, this if you want to know if you're taking the lessons of life or death, however you want to call them, ask yourself this question, are you living in that way? With the experience that I had with my mother's um, elevation from this world, I really one of the great inspirations and, and gifts that I received was really that consciousness and that clarity. Live in truth, live the important things, negate the unimportant things, and, and literally live every moment with, with love, with, with appreciation, with excitement. Well, there's a Mark Twain quote also. He says, the fear of death follows from the fear of life. A man who lives fully is prepared to die at any time. And basically lives fully means live, live meaningfully, right? I do want to um, bring up this book, which I have found to be very, very inspiring. It's called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. I know it doesn't sound like an inspiring title, but it's really profound. and. Um, it was it stemmed from a blog that a palliative nurse wrote and it got like i think eight million views or something so she ended up writing a book about it and she basically for years and years spent the last 12 weeks of each patient's life with them helping them prepare for death and taking care of them and she'd spend a lot of time right with you know with these patients and she'd ask the question you know what is it that you regret or what, no, she asked, what would you do differently, if anything? And she found that there are common themes that surfaced again and again, so these are the top five. The first is, I wish I had had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected me to. And you know this, that I I got on that, band, that wagon like years ago, because I used to live my life very much for other people, and it makes for a miserable existence. And by the way, I think that's great as a general rule, but also, it's not just living the totality of my life, but even living this day mm. for anybody else. Well, each day adds up to a life, right? Right, because again, we can, I think you and I, and I think many of our listeners are dedicating our lives to trying to live our lives. Not, but, but when you're driving down the street and somebody upsets you, right, you're now not really living your life if you're spending your time and energy becoming upset at them and so on. So I think it's, 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 good, it's, it's important as a general direction in life, but also in the, in the daily 
ways that we expand energy. But I also, I meet with so many students and a lot of them um, in our conversations, when they're talking about things that are bothering them or why they feel stuck, they use phrases like, I can't, it's not possible, you don't understand, right? Now, all of that is absolutely true if you decide it to be, right? That's one way to go through life. If you're constantly making excuses and thinking that nothing can change, well, nothing's going to change, right? So it's not even only the things that other people put on us and that we accept, by the way, but it's what the limited things, beliefs that we put on ourselves of what we can do and how we can live. So she goes on to say, this was the most common regret of all, when people realize that their life is almost over and look back clearly on it, it's easy to see how many dreams have gone unfulfilled, which was the pain I shared about my father. Um, most people have not honored even half of their dreams and had to die knowing that it was due to the choices they had made or not made. Health brings a freedom very few realize until they no longer have it. The second is, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. This came from every male patient that I nursed. They missed their children's youth and their partner's companionship. Women also spoke of this regret, but as most, most were from an older generation, many of the female patients had not been breadwinners. All of the men I nursed deeply regretted spending so much of their lives on the treadmill of a work existence. Three, I wish I had had the courage to express my feelings. Many people suppress their feelings in order to keep peace with others. I hate that. I, that's just annoying because there's no such thing, okay? <laughs> well, so, sometimes. No, because you know what's going to be upheaval is internally, right? right. Your gut's going to be a mess. You, that's not, that's, that's going to look like peace. It's just absolutely not going to feel like peace. You don't have to share every single emotion. <laughs> no, I agree. I think we're agreeing. You do with yourself. With yourself, absolutely. You absolutely do. And then you can decide how you want to express it or not. And very often right. you can move past it when you acknowledge it, sure. right? Um, See, this is my point. So she says, many people suppressed their feelings. That's what I'm saying. In order to keep peace with others, as a result, they settled for a mediocre existence and never became who they were truly capable of becoming. Many developed illnesses relating to the bitterness and resentment they carried as a result. You know, I used to have no voice at all. Can you imagine? And, uh, and I, I became very ill because of it. And if I had stayed that person, thinking that what I say didn't really matter and... I needed to make everybody else feel good and warm and fuzzy. Can you imagine what my life would look like today? I don't think I'd be there. <laughs> you wouldn't, actually. You wouldn't. Four, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Often they would not truly realize the full benefits of old friends until their dying weeks, and it was not always possible to track them down. Many had become so caught up in their own lives that they had let go of golden friendships over the years. There are many deep regrets about not giving friendships the time and effort that they deserved. Everyone misses their friends when they are dying. And the fifth one is, I wish that I had let myself be happier. I think this one's really powerful. This is a surprisingly common one. Many did not realize until the end that happiness is a choice. Oh, I have the chills as I always say that. They had stayed stuck in old patterns and habits. The so-called comfort of familiarity overflowed into their emotions, as well as their physical lives. Fear of change had them pretending to others and to themselves that they were content when deep within they longed to laugh properly and have silliness in their life again. Right. I think uh, something else I was reading today, that idea that we, again, we, we're in some way enslaved to what others think about us, to what others might think about us, and we hold back from really enjoying the fullness of life. And for like me, some people won't dance at a party because right. they might look stupid or, right. you know, 
um, won't wear what they really want to because it's it's different, right? I mean, the list goes on and on. And I think again, for me, maybe the most important lesson for listeners is that is that one, right? Ask yourself the question: How much are you enjoying life? How much are you allowing yourself to enjoy life? And next question: How much are you not enjoying life because of all the other silly or, in the context of the words we used before, untrue reasons? Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, so often it is a choice, and a choice that too often we don't make, or opportunity we don't grab. And again, not to use the phrase "life is too short," but make I like sure you said it. Life is too important. Too important not to grab every moment of potential joy. So you want to go do something fun now? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any other thoughts? Yes, one more joke, actually. <laughs> Um, so we're going to uh, leave our listeners uh, not so much with contemplation. Actually, before that, before I get to the joke, I like that word. We don't, I don't use that enough. Which one? Contemplation. Contemplation. Hmm. Hopefully, we do it enough, though. Um, when we talk about sometimes, I get a headache because I do it a lot. I think <laughs> we do, I think we do it a lot. When we think about those either that are, in your case, your father's in the process of leaving this physical world, or those that have left. And we believe that their energy never goes away. But the question isn't so much whether they are here or not here, but rather are we connecting to them or not connecting to them? And I think one of the most important gifts that we can give ourselves is not to let go of those who have left this physical world. So for me, what that means, and thankfully I have the opportunity almost daily to think about something that my father had said or my mother said, and learn from it. Because when, and sometimes I even have to remind myself that they're not even physically here, because sometimes you can get so deep into a lesson that they've taught you or gift that they've given you, that they're definitely here. And by the way, they are here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, the physical form might not be here, but their energy, absolutely. You know, the, my father would often say that at funerals, it is not those who have, or are leaving who are saying goodbye, but it is those who are alive that are saying goodbye. And that actually you want to make sure you don't say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, I would ask every one of our listeners, think about somebody in your life who was important. And, and ask yourself the question, am I connected to them enough? Am I continuing to learn from them enough? Am I feeling their energy enough? And one of the greatest gifts, again, that we can give to ourselves is not saying goodbye is making sure that we keep in our lives the energy of those that have always been and hopefully will always be both important and teaching us. And you will find, you will find that as you do this consciously, some points you can't even remind yourself of whether they are here or not here, because for you they are here. I do, I think that's beautiful. I do want to just... Um bring this up because your parents um, happen to be very spiritual, enlightened leaders, teachers, you're able to, the the teachings are really clear, right? I think for many others, um, and we kind of touched upon this when we talked about reincarnation and being part of the same root of soul, the same branch. I think for others, even our most important relationships, people we love the most, there can be a lot of conflict, a lot of confusion. Maybe they weren't the the mother we wanted, the whatever, you know, or um, we think, or we can see that they made a lot of mistakes. And I'm suggesting, and I just think this is how you heal relationships and this is how you keep them alive. And you're able to get past the grief, right? And really just be with the goodness 
that exists in them, we can learn a lot from people as what we don't want to do, right? Absolutely. And that teaching is perhaps, I think, equally important, you know? Um, and I've talked a lot about that with different relationships. And I'm so grateful that I had that example in that way. And also, if you want to see goodness and you want to learn something, you always can. So even just this two days ago, um, my sisters and my mom and I, we were, no, actually uh, some of our kids were around my father. We started telling jokes and like things that he did and remembering like just, I mean, my dad was, you know, I, just so inappropriate sometimes. <laughs> I don't know any other way to say it. And we were laughing, but what's the lesson there, right? Now, while I may not behave like that, right? The idea of being silly <laughs> and, um, and putting yourself out there for your family and, and making them laugh, I think that's a really important lesson, right? It's not a typical one. It's not one that's black and white. I think, um, as we see with your parents, which is beautiful and elevated, but not everything has to be elevated to learn. Absolutely. I think it's from. a very important point. Because like you said, I, I think two important parts of that. One is that every single person in like, our life... Do you life, know how he would say he has to go pee? How? He'd have to weetsie. Is that even a word? Weetsie? He's the only person I ever know my whole life to say I have to weetsie. I never even looked it up, oddly enough. <laughs> but like that kind yeah. of thing, right? I mean, ridiculous, but it made us all laugh. Anyway, go ahead. You know, so say, <laughs> yeah, follow that. But, um, <laughs> to make sure as we're, as we're talking about the lessons that we learn and that keep them with us, and this goes back to something we spoke about in, on reincarnation, that we actually choose the families into which we are born, parents, which means that what was perfect for us is not necessarily always easy and comfortable and even right. Or nurturing, necessarily. But that actually is what we needed. So when you are able to see how you've grown from it, I was talking actually to somebody yesterday who's just lost a parent, and um, he was saying that through his spiritual, he his parent in this case was a very difficult parent, but through his spiritual understanding and work, he's come to see how they helped him become the person he's meant to become. And then you might not accept that behavior, but you appreciate it for helping you become the person you need to become. So that's one part. And the second part is, like you said, sometimes we don't have enough, I don't know if the word is grace towards people who are in our lives and that we say, oh, they did nothing for me. That's almost, there's maybe a few people in our lives, but that is almost never the case. And not to allow other hurt, which might be rightly placed, to obscure the beautiful gifts that they actually have given us. I would venture that... Or opportunities. If you can't see them as gifts yet, at least recognize them. Right. Now I'm saying even for, that's the first part, right? That, that even the challenges or the places in which they lacked as either parents or or, or or any in any ways, that there were things that we were meant to and hopefully grew from that we can appreciate. But most people are pretty great in some areas. And let's not obscure other hurt or places that they lacked for that. A father or a mother or a brother or sister, you can find something that was really beautiful that they gave you. Mm -hmm. and And let's make sure we do that as well. So I'm not sure it's appropriate to end with the joke. <laughs> it's probably not, but <laughs> go ahead. All right. So, uh, <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe it's absolutely yes, appropriate exactly. because we're saying 
that that if you're taking the lessons of the shadow of death you are living every moment with great joy and you don't care whether it's appropriate or not no it's absolutely degree. appropriate <laughs> so, because it's going to bring great joy to yes. all of us right now so, in this moment yes so ralph and max were, i mean if it's funny yes, yes I mean. let's see well our, our <laughs> listeners will let us know ralph and max were longtime partners i never heard this one i think you did max is on his deathbed and ralph comes to visit him oh so you've, you've ralph and mark what's it max, max. were longtime business partners right. okay right that wasn't clear <laughs> so and max is on his deathbed ralph comes to visit him and Max is like, he has tears in his eyes. He says, you know, before, before I leave this world, I really have to apologize to you. And Ralph is like, no, don't worry about it. You know, I love you. He says, no, you remember no, the I beginning really to apologize of a partnership? Yeah, there was a million dollars that, that we lost that went out of our bank account. We didn't know what happened to it. He says, yes. He says, I stole it from you. <laughs> Says, oh, don't worry about it. Everything's okay. Don't worry about that. No, really, please forgive me. I, I apologize. He says, you remember a few years ago, you were trying to get a mortgage for a house you wanted to really wanted to buy, and everything was going great, and the bank called you up and, and said that they're not going to lend you the money. He says, yes. He says, I actually called the bank and asked them not to, sh- to give you that mortgage. I, I really, I feel so bad. Please forgive me. And again, no, says, no, don't worry. Don't worry about it. Everything's okay. And he says, you remember your, life, your, your wife left you a year and a half ago? He says, yes. He says, well, I, I was cheating with her and I told her that she should leave you and therefore she left. I, I, I feel so bad. Please forgive me. I can't leave this world with all of this. And, and, and Ralph turns to him and says, it's okay. We're, we're all okay. He says, how can it be? He says, because I'm the one who poisoned you. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So hopefully uh, we have inspired, made our listeners laugh. And for all of us, that we truly draw upon the lessons of death to live the most impactful, truthful lives. Bye. Thank you.